0: Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. I am a religion recovery coach who helps people with life after religion. And this podcast allows people to share their stories of abuse and religious trauma in various religions and cults. Some guests come on the show to discuss specific topics to educate and bring awareness Discussions will range from purity culture, mental health, religious trauma, Christian culture, deconstruction, spirituality, and much more. Now, let's get into this episode of Speaking Up with Andrew Pleasure. Hello everyone. this is speaking up with Andrew Pledger and I am here with Jane Ridley, who is a human rights lawyer who helps those seeking justice who experience abuse in religious organizations. And she used to be a part of the Sound Choices organization and she is here to come on the show to talk about how the legal system fails to protect survivors of abusive religious institutions. How are you today, Jane?
1: I'm good thank you and thank you for having me here i'm excited uh, to uh about the work we've done
0: of course yeah so starting to the interview what started your interest um in the u.s legal system and religion and how it fails to protect victims
1: it was a it's a bit of a bizarre story yeah. and a journey really um but i've always had an interest in law um i used to be in the police in england um but really what. I suppose drew me to um religious cults. So I've always studied religion as a general entity. Um but watching Leah Remini's aftermath with her coming out of Scientology kind of like spiked an in interest like it did most people. Um and maybe me, it was like, okay, it's someone travelling around the States. It was February 2018. And I was like, I'm gonna go in one of these churches of Scientology. Like I do believe her, but I just needed to go in so I went in one in Portland and they were like oh we're here if you need us there's this that over there and they left us to it so I was like "Grand, got some freebies left and i a laugh about it then I went in one in New York near Times Square and that's where it went south very quickly now I was only in there for about 20 minutes but it was the longest 20 minutes of my life so I went in there and they were like can I help you and I was like "No, no no I was looking around but they were really invasive and they were really like no 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 stick with us da, da, da. and I was like no no no, I'm fine just you know leave and be and then they said like oh so what brought you here and stupidly I said oh I've been watching Leah Remini's show don't mention Leah Remini in a church because this is where it went wrong for me oh no and yeah. they were like similar to Portland they were like oh we have some stuff over here so I walked with them but the layer of the building meant I was trapped at that point and they knew that and then she kind of escorted me into this really small room and essentially tried to convert me now this point I sort of switched and gone why did you mention Leah let's not go Mm -hmm. there and I gave fake details and I managed to get out after about 20 minutes but it was the longest 20 minutes of my life and I just thought wait I've just suffered 20 minutes, but people suffer 20 years, if not more. Mm, yeah. And it kind of spiked a further interest. And then when I went to do my master's in international human rights law, I knew from the day of applying, I would be doing something about religious cults and the US legal system for my dissertation. And that's exactly what I did, which is how I've come to make the connections that I have. That's kind of how I got involved with the ICSA and everything else, really.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the research that you did for your dissertation. And I know dissertations, is a lot of information, but what were some of the conclusions, the important ones that you came to and things you discovered Hmm. doing that?
1: So the way I like sort of collected the information, because obviously you can read books and stuff and that's great. But really what I wanted to do is speak to survivors. So I reached out using Facebook and Facebook groups to tap into that and sort of Emerge myself in these groups to kind of get real testimonies. I was then able to kind of look at it and go, okay, you can't do class action because it does not fit the remit of what class action is. So what could you do? And that's when I really started to unravel sort of the human rights abuses and how an elite on an international legal uh, sort of stage, how that would pan out. Um, so for those who don't really understand international law, and that's fine, each country, state, has to sign up to certain, well they have to, but they sign up to certain conventions um, that is I suppose governed by um, the international criminal justice system and that's kind of keeping countries in line I suppose um, now America is party to the ICCPR which is civil and political rights and this is interesting because this is where freedom of religion really is underpinned on an international level as well as obviously in the constitution and just generally in the, as I would say, society and political system of America, less so the laws at the minute with the way SCOTUS is going. Um, So it was kind of interesting to sort of like underpin the harms and the abuse, where that fits in terms of regional, national, international law and how you could kind of go about it. Obviously, it people mostly report his sort of sexual abuse um, which I think is, is a lot of power and control and I think it's easier for them to do but it kind of a lot of the other physical abuse really just fall under the remit of torture which is another international covenant that the US should be holding people accountable to so the government in the US are essentially well, they're not protecting their own citizens because they're ignoring all of these and it really comes down to the original list of the um, constitution going oh but we can't get involved it's like but when does really when does the church versus state argument stop and protecting people from being tortured begin and that's really the line we're looking at you know we have all these psychologists that help you get over the trauma but what mm-hmm. really needs to happen is the trauma needs to stop all of these yeah. abuse needs to stop so you don't have the trauma and the only way to do that is in a way punishable in the legal system to set precedent get these people off the streets who are the abusers you know um so really my research sort of heavily focused on that and is sort of i guess definitely have a passion for it
0: yes and so could you dig into the specifics to like why the legal legal system fails these victims
1: a lot of it is not wanting to cross the line of church versus state that's like the sort of foundational argument if you like Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: a lot of it really comes down to the fact that cult leaders have a lot of money and they use that money to throw weight behind so scientology is notorious for um harassment basically and they will harass uh, lawyers judges jury just everything and it just becomes a long lengthy trial that keeps getting pushed back, people then back out. So, judges will be like, I can't take that case, threat to my family, of course, I'm not going to. And he just basically run out of people and it's sort of stalling tactics. Now, it's very good, but very surprising that the Danny Masterson case in California has got as far forward as it has, but they're still dragging their heels with that one. They're still trying to use, you know, their uh, oh, but this is religion and so on and so forth. But the whole point of freedom of religion was freedom to choose or abstain religion. It's not that you have to be in a religion. Mm -hmm. So I think over time people have manipulated this text to fit the narrative they want. And I think that's where we're falling foul of it and we've got a gap. Now what's interesting is with SCOTUS interfering more recently is they're actually narrowing that gap and making it better for us. Because if they're going to rule on even Roe versus Wade, because they use religion for that, they're going, they're gonna to have to interfere with other things. Yeah. So, in a way, as much as it's sort of detrimental to society on the whole, and it is, and I don't agree with what they're doing, it should, if you if you can get a good team together who are not gonna be intimidated by Scientology in particular you might be able to start swaying our way which would be really interesting to see mm-hmm.
0: yes and so from what you've seen what what can we do to change the system because as i've talked with different people like i've seen how you know the, the government is afraid to get involved because number one like you said these leaders have so much money um and power and I've noticed whenever the government tries to help bring justice or probes an investigation into a situation, there's just this outcry from the cult members or people in the religion who are just like, you know, like, you're infringing upon our freedoms. Um, There should be, you know, you should, you know, there should be separation from the state, like, stay away from us, like, we have the freedom. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, freedom of religion protects beliefs, but it doesn't protect all actions because there has to be a line that is drawn Uh to protect victims of abuse. And so I use this extreme example when talking about this of like, you know, if your religion calls for you to kill people or whatever, well, that's, you know, you're going to, be prosecuted because that's just not okay that's way too far you're you're harming someone else you're taking someone else's life and it's a danger to society like it doesn't matter if you think um it's your religious Mm -hmm. belief and that automatically trumps everything else and like that's in a hyperbole but just an example of um you know how we obviously need to draw a line and so what what changes can be made to, I guess, really help bring justice for these victims?
1: Well, what's really interesting about the example you've used is in the Catholic Church, which I'm not saying they're a cult, although some people who have left the church would say it is, mm-hmm. they have the um, seal of confession. So if somebody does murder a child, rape a child or, or another person, if they confess to their priest, they're forgiven, and the priest is not obligated to uh. tell authorities. So Mm. I think from that, um, cult leaders have got it kind of in their head like, oh, well, they can do this because it's seal of confession and blah, blah, blah. We can have religious immunity and arbitration and Mm. and it kind of snowballs. Um, So I think there is a line and I agree there's a line and it shouldn't be crossed, but it, it is crossed all the time. Um, but I think as well with the government and sort of pushbacks and everything, it's like we're fighting because we, we're passionate about this. But at the same time, in the grand scheme of things, from the government's point of view, they're looking at the whole of the US. They've got gun that's going in and shooting children. That's priority number one. The climate crisis is priority two. And our fight keeps getting pushed down because it's just not – it's it's sad to say it's just not as great as the other risks with everything else that's happening and although yes children are being abused and everything else it's like you can't solve everything overnight which ones you're going to prioritise and I feel like with our stuff it kind of just keeps falling short Um, and they don't have the time and I I appreciate that Um, but you know we have overcome other hurdles historically I always use like with LGBT rights, in terms of, you know, people sort of kept protesting; they kept going on and on and on until they were heard. Although it looks like Scotius is going to try and revoke all that, which is Ooh. going to be very sad if they do.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Clarence Thomas has already hinted. Well, actually, didn't hint; he flat out said it. Yeah. Um, and he's going to go after contraception. So, I mean, <laughs> that's another hurdle for another day. Yeah. But I think we do kind of. We just fall down the list and i kind of understand why i'm not necessarily making excuses but i think if we keep making noise eventually we'll have to be heard Mm. you know and it's you would maybe have to challenge at state level first um
0: kind of like what you were saying is you know there are certain things that aren't in the law because they've just never been taken to court and no one has committed mm. certain things for it to be added into law and so i guess yeah. what what things need to be added into the law to protect um victims of religious abuse
1: you know what i don't know that anything needs to be added i think it's the interpretation of the law to go mm. okay if someone's being abused. so let's just take a 12 year old child's been forced into marriage okay and let's take the religion out of it this is just a normal 12 year old atheist child the whole a- approach will be different because it's an it's a non-religious thing and it's child abuse and it's this that and the other mm-hmm. and i agree with that as soon as you pop that but they're in the this is my religion that is when people go oh i can't touch that mm. but this is what i go back to what scotus are doing because for whatever reason they ruled on a, it was a i think it's last month now um somebody been able to pray at the side of a college football yeah. Uh, feel I don't know why they had to get involved in that, but whatever. But if they're going to like give an opinion on that, they can give an opinion on why it's mm. okay to torture a child or even just another human being. But what's also super interesting is Amy Comey Barrett is part of a Catholic cult called People of Praise where the Handmaid's Tale is actually based off of that cult. Oh, wow. So we're going to see a bit of a shift because she's an originalist of the Constitution as well. So she's very much church versus state which is fine. But now I'm like looking at it going, but you've ruled on XYZ in the past two months. Like how Mm -hmm. can you now say that you're an originalist? They're blurring their own lines because they're sort of, I suppose they've gone a bit power mad because it's, it's a Republican leaning in the, in Scotus. And I think that's, uh, you know, I mean, with polygamy in Utah, because of the LDS church in Utah, which we have no issues with, we're not saying that LDS are like this, they're not. But it's one of those um, things, you know, first they come after me, then they go after you. So fundamentalists that are in the polygamous cults will go, oh, but hey, if they're going to come after us, once they're done with us, they're going to come after you. So the LDS-leaning church are like, wait, we're not going to, like, challenge polygamy because if we do that, we're going to lose our religion. But that's not true. Mm. Yeah, people don't like Mormons and that's fine, but they're not actually doing anything wrong
0: so and like no, what you're there's
1: no reason to
0: yeah sorry just for listeners just so i can i'm trying to make an analogy so basically they see it as like a slippery slope um yes if one thing happens in all these other things so they're like might as well not touch any of it or report any of it
1: yeah now in february 2020 they um voted to reduce so basically before then polygamy was in law um it was punishable and everything else february 2020 came they chose to um lower it to an infraction similar to getting a parking fine so you get like a 50 dollar fine if you're found to be polygamous now which no one cares about you know they'll just pay it they have billions of dollars because they're fronting loads of businesses you know they're using their money to hide behind businesses so they don't care Um, Now, one of the arguments um, came that by lowering it, it will help women come forward. And it's like, but does it? Because these women have been cut off from society. They're told the police are bad, this is bad, that's bad. They do not know how to report this. So you might make it easier on the outside, but you're not giving them the tools to know how to report this and that it's okay. Because they've been essentially brainwashed and a lot of them coerced from birth. They just don't know. They don't. They don't take the risk because, like you say, the grass isn't always green on the other side. It is, but they don't know that, and that causes issues in itself. So, Mm -hmm. with Utah, it's going to be a battle constantly. I think. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, and so, you know, I think this is definitely a very complex issue and so and i'm just curious i know you used to be a part of an organization called sound choices coalition so tell me how that started and what was the mission behind that when that existed
1: yeah so basically kristen decker was the founder and she spent 50 years in polygamy um and her dad was actually the leader of her group um in utah and she left she's very happy now um everything else but her sort of mission was to educate people on the harms of polygamy especially even just genetically you know there's issues there um girls are groomed from the age of 12 they're married off really young um there's forced labor and it what's interesting is from the outside it looks like men are like in control but actually it's only certain men Because they need wives. So if you have a load of boys, Mm. what do we do with all the boys? So when they get to about 12, 13, they're dropped off in the desert and gone, yeah, bye, then for yourself. So you've got this whole culture of women are superior because we need to marry them and have lots of babies. And then if you're not a chosen male, you're dumped in the desert, which we all know is extremely hot in the summers. They're like, how can Mm -hmm. they survive? They've got no tools, no nothing. Um, so Kristen really developed that around 2012, 2013 to sort of join with other organisations. Um, but her, we've just got to the point where uh, we this year we have decided to end it uh, and sort of do it more of a low level because it was just becoming quite time-consuming, you know. Mm-hmm. Kristen is approaching a time in her life where she just wants to relax, you know. She's very prominent as a speaker, as an author, Mm -hmm. and we will continue to collaborate in an ICSA sort of perspective and do, you know, joint speeches and teachings and stuff. Um, But, yeah, the organisation has sort of, yeah, come to a natural end, really. Um, But we did a lot of work in terms of even partnering with other organisations, such as holding out help who do more – physical help in terms of housing people and that sort of stuff, whereas we did more advocacy, education. Um, We, before my time, before I joined, they submitted to the Bigamy Amendments in 2020. Um, So they were definitely more advocates for change, whereas like holding out help and Unchained at Last is against child marriage. They're more proactive on the ground. So that was kind of the difference um but some choices they achieved a lot in the time that they had um and where they were going and everything you know we've had some wonderful donations and we've been able to do a lot with them and you know help people who have come out of polygamy and needed sort of <clears throat> sort of help finding it's a bit weird because you're like trying to navigate a world where you've lived in it but you've never actually been allowed to be in it so, you know even simple things like getting a bank account getting social security numbers you know all those sort of I think day-to-day routines that we take for granted on the outside because they're just so normal to us um you know we will advocate for justice for people. Uh, we had a really complex case that's still ongoing and I will still work with her mm-hmm. um where she was what was coerced into polygamy really it was an LDS member who decided to convert mm. after they got married you know um and that's in the courts at the minute so we will continue doing bits and pieces definitely
0: Mm, yes that's good and so in addition to that what are other things in your life that are doing that align with your mission
1: that i'm doing personally yes Mm -hmm. yeah uh so i will be trying well i will submit to speak at the icsa again next year Mm. um With sound choices ending recently, I'm still trying to find a new path for that. I was approached on LinkedIn to collaborate and, you know, it's just all about keeping the fight alive. You know, through my research, I developed really strong friendships with basically survivors of cults and I'm still Mm -hmm. friends with them now. So any project anyone needs help on, I'm willing to, you know, uh, give up my time to do that. I think it's really important that we keep the fight alive Mm -hmm. and keep... You know, I mean, I don't know whether you... I don't know how much you know about Scientology, um, but I interviewed David Miscavige, who's the leader, his dad, for my Mm -hmm. dissertation. Sadly, he passed away last year. But with how Ron got out was... So Ron was trapped in his own son's cult. Imagine that. And David gifted him um, a Kindle for his birthday and forgot to disable the Wi-Fi. Mm. Now, Ron being in his 60s at the time... Lent on one of the words and didn't realize, and it came up with like, Google this word, I guess like for um, a definition. So he was like, oh, hey, I'm on Google. So he was like, oh, just let's have a Google what Scientology is like. So he Googled Scientology and he was like, oh, holy crap, all of this abuse, what is going on? And that's when he started plotting to escape his own son's cult. Mm. Like, could you imagine? So the fact that there's a web presence, we need to keep up with web presence. We need yeah. to keep popping up anywhere yeah. and everywhere we can because all you need is just another run on a Kindle or something really innocent, mm-hmm. and they might be able to find help, you know. And I think that's really important to kind of keep speaking on it. And sometimes people might want to go towards an individual rather than an organization for fear of repercussions if they mm-hmm. go to an organization that's well known.
0: Yes. And so, what other organizations do you know of that help cult survivors?
1: Um, There's quite a few out there. There's the Aftermath Foundation, which is Scientology. Um, There's a good few Facebook groups, um, to be honest, just for for general cults um, or like cult therapy sort of helping support, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, There's Holding Out Help, which is more polygamy-based. There's Footsteps in New York that actually they help the um, Hasidic Jews leave. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily call it a cult, but I suppose in a way it does kind of fit the bill. Um, There's so many organizations out there in different pockets of America that can help. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of knowing how to access them. And I think that's really a pivotal point in terms of how can we make everything more accessible to these people who have been cut off. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And so what advice do you have for people who are trapped in toxic and abusive religious environments and really want to escape?
1: it really depends on how um free they are in the real world because even a simple google search the icsa would be a good start Mm -hmm. starting point but if they're not um able to google this is the hard part with the way technology is going if they don't have that it's a case of a really i had somebody um, Mm -hmm. when i was doing my um, dissertation i interviewed and they um had a friend who was part of polygamous cult basically managed to escape one day went to some sort of government office somewhere in utah was like help me and because she was dressed like a person they were like we don't want you here she needed medical attention and she basically had to go back to the cult she died because someone in the outside world didn't recognize that this person just genuinely needed help Mm. you know so it's 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 hard to reach those groups of people. That's that's the hard part because yeah. sometimes they don't know what's yeah. going on. You know, um, there's pockets in Utah. Utah's got stunning landscape, but at the same time, it's can be quite remote and there's these pockets of people living there sort of in the sort of hills and they just don't know how to get out to access the help. So I suppose you can Google it, but it's not always that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing would be pairing up with somebody else who might want to leave if they're in, like, a compound situation. But it's just so difficult because law enforcement are usually bribed by calls, um, uh. which is what I found in my dissertation. So I had, uh, it was in Texas, it was the House of Yahweh. Somebody, um, well, a group of them, about five, six, were like, okay, we've escaped. So they found a, a telephone, uh, like, uh, like a telephone box, and, like, rang the local FBI office. Well, no, they rang an out-of-state FBI office. Sorry, first, and they're like, "Oh no, you have to ring the one that's local to you because that's just their protocol." And what really should have happened is gone. They should have realized, like the call handler should have been gone, like, "There's something not right here." But anyway, so they had to call a local one, um, and that was intercepted. I think probably by a cult leader. But then the police came and picked them up and took them straight back to the compound, and eventually they did get out. And then it went to court. So then mm-hmm. the court went and interfered with all the juries. So they had to move the court so oh, far away wow. that the court couldn't interfere that the victims couldn't get to the courthouse because they had no money because oh. the court had taken it off. So it got to court and it had to be thrown out because none of the victims could make it. Oh. When you have law enforcement who are interfering and getting paid off, it becomes really difficult. It's just not a clear-cut answer. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I could say it xyz and everyone will be free but it's just not going to happen yeah so it's like who do you trust you know it's really organizations like the aftermath foundation for one that would really be able to because mm-hmm. they're sort of widely spread um to be able to offer a bit more help and support i suppose
0: mm, yes most definitely well thank you so much for coming on this show and is there anything else that you would like to say before we end this interview uh,
1: i don't uh, i don't think so it's just a, it's a bit of a minefield and like mm. in terms of sort of like access to justice from a legal route yeah i, I what i what really sort of gets me is people like normal people aren't going to know how to do this and that's mm. where really where they're going to fall short they need to they need to know how to access help and what to do mm. because trying to navigate like the legal system from like a normal brain that hasn't been traumatized is hard enough yeah. let alone someone who's been a victim of abuse for god knows how many years you know and it's just trying to tap into that i do think scientology might be on its way down because mm. there's a lot of publicity with the danny massison thing i think there is hope there whether it'll happen in my lifetime or not i don't know um, I'm, I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm still not. The, I'm optimistic, mm. but I'm not. Um, I'm uh, realistic as well. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, because it's finding people you trust. I think this should be, personally, because I used to be in the police in England, the English police have a victim-led policing model. Mm-hmm. So if we saw something untoward, we would befriend them. We would do it in the, like, and help that way. It doesn't seem like that is a process that happens in the States. Um, it doesn't even happen here in Ireland, but that would be a way in to gain that trust and gain the understanding and the information intelligence they would need to disseminate a a court and save, you know, victims. But it's just really, really difficult. It would be a lot easier if we could have a class action because that would be an easier way to set precedent, but it ain't going to happen. So mm,
0: Yes. Well, thank you again for coming on the show, and thank you to everyone for listening, and this was Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Thank you for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Your support is much appreciated. Please leave a review and share with friends and family. And if you can, please support me on Patreon, and the link is in my description. Thank you so much for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pleasure.